Thanks for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Mark Bohr. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Uh, get that out. If you have a Bible app, open that up. Uh, go with me today to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to jump back into a new series of messages that we started uh, just a couple weeks ago. This, this message is called The Devil's Trap. And uh, I think it needs to be exposed. I think we need to know what's happening and know how, you know, how, how the enemy is getting in to attack people when he is. And if he's not able, what's keeping him out? And we should be wise concerning this, not ignorant, uh, so we can live the victorious life the Lord has promised us. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, notice with me over here verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Again, let's zero in on that phrase, nor give place to the devil. You can see here that the devil is trying to get, he wants to have place in people's lives. He's looking for an entrance, looking for place. But it apparently uh, it is up to us whether or not he is given place. All right, we are told do not give him place. So if he has place in my life, it's because I gave it to him, whether I did it on purpose or because I didn't know better, but he was given place. But I also can see that I have the right, I have the authority to not give him place. I can keep him out. You can keep him out of your life. And by the way, you want to do that (laughs) because he's not coming bearing gifts. Uh, what, what, is it, what, what does he come bearing? Destruction. Death. Harm. He wants, to, he, wants to, he wants to ruin your life. Is that right? And so we absolutely want to know. We should want to know. And we want to keep this door closed. We want to give him no place. I want to give all the space in my life to the Lord. And his great plan. And his love. And his power. And his blessings. That is an abundant full life. And I want to keep out everything the enemy has to offer. Amen. Reading this. This uh, verse from a couple other translations, the verse 27 there, the Amplified Bible reads, Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. That's good. And then the ERV reads, Don't give the devil a way to defeat you. And so you can see that's what his objective is. He wants to defeat you, but don't give him a way to do that. Yeah. Well, if if that's up to me, I need to know how this works. How does he get in? How does he access individuals' lives? And, and, And so I've concluded and see this in the Word, that what we say and what we do ultimately either opens or closes the door for the devil to get in or to occupy place in our lives. It's never the will of God. Do you know that the, 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 the will of God is never that you be stolen from, that you be killed, that you be destroyed. 
That, that your family is all in chaos. That's never the will of God. That's not a secret plan. Well, the Lord's working out a mysterious thing. No, it's the devil cleaning you out. All right? Here's what the Lord's doing. He's working in your life. He's trying to get you information so you can give him place and not the devil. Yeah. So good news. Huh? Good news. A lot of freedom's coming. Now, let me make mention of another verse. Uh, it's Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. And let me read that to you for a moment. It reads this way. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want you to notice that that language used about sin. What does sin do? It ensnares us. That's a trap. That's a noose. That's something that's going to cause us to stumble, cause us to fall. So in one real sense, we could, we could generalize right here and just say all sin is a problem. I think we kind of knew that. <laughs> but sin ensnares people. Having said that, have you ever been, you know, kind of, you went into a funk in some area of your life, and the stupidest thing in the world that you could ever do for a moment seemed really smart? <laughs> it seemed like a really good idea. And you looked at it and thought, that's no problem. What's the deal? What's the de- There's no deal with that. And so you did it, and then your eyes were opened again. And you thought, I cannot believe I did that. That is the stupidest thing I could have ever done. See, see, that's how sin works. That's how temptation works. It's deceptive and all of a sudden, you know, we just lose it. But sin really is a snare. It'll trip you up. It'll, it'll cause destruction in your life. And so, though we can say that about all sin in general, in my study of the Word of God... There seems to be um, certain parts, certain behaviors that are more of an opening, and the enemy is trying to get us to go into them so that he can have access to our lives. And so I want to begin to identify some of those, but let's also remember this. Our redemption is not just forgiveness of sin, but it is also freedom from sin. I'm not just left in a condition where I am subject to the devil, subject to sin, subject to my own desires, subject to temptation, and I just can't do anything about it. I just fall every time. There's nothing I can do. No, 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 no. See, and and then forgiven. No. Forgiven, yes. But also redemption includes victory over sin. Literally, it includes the power of God working in me so I'm no longer a slave, no longer subject no longer am I to be dominated by sin. I can actually, listen, resist it. In other words, in the New Testament, the born-again person empowered by the Spirit can say no. They can. You have the, the ability of God. Never speak of yourself and, and say, well, I just can't help myself. I, there's nothing I can do. Uh, we, we all have to sin every day, all the time. It's just the way we are. Man, that's the mindset of an unbeliever. That's the mindset of a sinner, not a redeemed one, not a new creation in Christ. 
say, the spirit of life is in me, and I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might, and I can stand strong, and I will resist, and I will live for the Lord. Come on now. See, that's that's the truth. Now, identifying... Uh, some areas I, I want to begin with this one and today at least starting today I can't get it all out in one message but I want to share with you about the snare of judgment all right this is one of the big traps the enemy sets uh, the snare of judgment Satan wants to build a case against us he wants access remember from before, he is the accuser of the brethren, includes the sistren, right? Uh, he accuses us before God day and night. He's making accusation against, he's trying to build a case to get judgment, to get access. And one of the ways that we let him in is by us making a case against other people. When we start to behave like he behaves, and we begin making accusation, and we begin casting judgment, then we are behaving like him and giving him place in our lives. Ooh, are you ready for this today? I tell you, when we become judge, jury, and executioner toward others, we open the door to the devil in our own lives. You know the principles of the kingdom of sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting is how we would say it in our day. Uh, If you want to receive or reap mercy in your life, what should you sow? Mercy. But it's amazing how many people think they can sow judgment and reap mercy. How they can talk about other people and they can judge others and then get a break every time in their own life. And then when something does does go down and it seems like the enemy's running over them, it never ties together that I've been treating people like this all along and now I'm getting judgment in my own life and I don't know why it's happening. What in the world? Where did this come from? (laughs) That's the harvest. You plant an apple seed, you get an apple tree. Produces apples. Kind of works that way. Huh? Now, I'm not hoping for that for anyone, by the way. If I see individuals and I think they're whatever, if I see them being judges and judgmental towards others, I'm not hoping they get what they sow. Why? Well, I want mercy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I'm rooting for them not to get it. Because that's how it works. Now, now turn with me, if you have your Bible there, uh, to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And let's begin to take a look at some of the words of Jesus and see how this applies to us directly. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, Jesus speaking here, red letters. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I understand that this verse 
gets highly abused in our day. Uh, there's a whole lot of individuals that want to add a word in the middle of that sentence. And where it says, judge not, uh, they add the word me. And it changed the whole me. And they, they read that verse, judge not me. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? And though they may say it different. They say, don't judge me. That's not what Jesus said. This is not the Lord's instructions as to how other people ought to treat you. This is the Lord's instructions on how we are to treat others. How many times do we flip these things right around? To turn them right upside down and it's intended to do one thing and we say, yeah, people should stop doing that. (laughs) That verse was not talking to the the people. (laughs) That verse was talking to you and to me. And so, again, it's not talking about how others treat you. Uh, at the same time, how many know if, if you say, uh, you know, you're judging me, or I feel judged by you, what are you doing? <laughs> Let me repeat that. <laughs> if a person says to someone else, you're judging me. Or, I feel judged by you. What is that person doing? They are judging them for judging them. (laughs) And this is exactly how this works. And why it is so blinding to so many individuals is because they are always accusing someone else. And by their accusation, they are doing the very thing that they are accusing someone else is doing. Someone else of doing. Yeah. It's almost laughable. It's almost funny when we can really see it and think, did I really just do that? (laughs) Yeah, you really did. Nevertheless, uh, we are to heed this warning. Because if we do not keep our guard up, we will all fall to this temptation to judge others. And the devil wants you to do it. He's rooting for you. He's cheering you on. To be the most excellent, outstanding, outspoken judge of everyone around you. Why does he want you to do that? So judgment can come back on you. If you won't do it, well, you get mercy. But if you will do it, you are opening the door wide, I mean, wide open for judgment to come back in your life. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Well, why would a person do that? Well, some would say because they have a gift. That they are, they've got the gift of speck discernment. (laughs) And uh, this gift is fully functional in their life. They're able to identify in others what they're doing wrong and uh, and problems. And and they might add so they can pray for them or something, but they're wrong. (laughs) Uh, But the Lord said, "Why, why do you do this? Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? Well, who's he talking to, by the way? Is, is this 
That doesn't really apply to many people, does it? (laughs) He said, but do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. What's the next word? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And this is a very, very common occurrence. Again, when someone has plank issues, they are often so very wrong about how they judge another person's issues. They think, oh, yeah, I can see this. You've got a problem here. You need to knock this. And and they cast judgment on them, but their plank keeps them from seeing it. They're not, they can't be accurate. They can't see it correctly. But it is judging a problem for anyone today. Uh, let me say it this way. Most of us probably are believers. We're going to heaven. Huh. We are in the family, right? Is it a problem? Is it ever an issue for any one of us? Could this ever be something that a, a Christian would fall into, this trap of judging, being judgmental? I'm thinking, yes. I'm thinking this is one of the key areas the enemy tempts people in in order to get access to believers' lives. Yeah, he's working overtime to get us to judge. So I wonder, is anyone falling for this trap? Now, we might not always call what we do judging. Because we know Jesus said that. Don't do that. Don't do that to people. And we might respond with, well, I'm not really judging. You know, I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm not sure there's a difference there. But once you learn the Bible lingo, you learn, no, I'm not supposed to do that, so I'm just going to do that and call it something else. I would never, I'm not judging, but did you hear about what so-and-so did? (laughs) Now, I'm not judging you here, but, and then we go ahead and proceed to do that. Huh? That doesn't make it not so. It doesn't mean we're not doing it just because we call it something else. I think we need to get to the root of it and say, what is our heart towards this individual? What are we really thinking? But the person who judges others, according to Jesus, is a hypocrite. Where's the hypocrisy? Well, people frequently forget their own failures when they observe others. They see someone doing something wrong. And they forget all about their own life. Very common. Very common. It's a plank issue. But they see. I can't can't believe. I can't believe someone would do that. I I would never do that. Well, first of all, you already have. So often, watch, so often the case is when one is judging another, they've done the very exact thing. Very common. But in that moment, they forget. 
There have been individuals who have been set free by the Lord from certain sinful lifestyles and conditions. And shortly after they get set free, it's amazing how harsh they can be with others who haven't been set free. It's like, dude, two weeks ago you were doing the same thing. And now you're pounding people for doing that. Seriously. See, that's a big, that's one of these issues. It's a plank issue. And individuals are, they're hypocritical. Amen. I think we should watch out for labeling people with certain adjectives. One example is the word liar. Uh, I think lying's bad. You? Don't lie. It's bad. But I've seen individuals label others as liars. And it was totally unjust. I thought you really want to say that? Do you really know that they knew that what they were saying was not true? How many know you can make a statement that's not true and it not be a lie? Why? Lying implies intent. It goes to the heart of the issue. They knew what they were saying was wrong and they said it anyway. Okay, that's absolutely a lie. Otherwise, it just could be they made a statement that wasn't true. They were wrong about it. Hmm. Now, Find with me in your Bible, if you would, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12. Old Testament, big left turn. If you get to Genesis, you went too far. 2 Samuel chapter 12. This particular passage... Uh, that we're going to read here in a moment follows chapter 11, obviously. In chapter 11, we're given an account, a story of a very rough time in David's, David's life, King David, King of Israel. Now, David is a very admired person to this day in Israel's history. Uh, he's called a person who was a man after God's own heart. He did many things well, served the Lord. Uh, but he had a time where he royally messed up. All right, and, and if you have, let it be an encouragement. You may have made some very poor choices and, and, and done some really bad things in your life. But if I can see this from David, you, if you have the right heart, you can make it back. You can recover. The Lord will restore. He will show, show you His grace. And so that's, that's the encouragement. But just to uh, briefly recount what happened to David is he was king and the kings were going out to battle and his armies were out on the field. He decided to stay home. One night he gets up and goes up on the roof at night and, and, and he sees... Um, a woman named Bathsheba, and she's out on, you know, bathing and all naked and stuff, and and uh, and he sees her, and of course he's attracted to her, and you know sometimes people don't realize that's the way men function, right? He didn't see her personality, you know. <laughs> But he was attracted to that, and he ends up because he's king. What 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 what, what did he do? He can do anything he wants. So he has her brought, and he ends up, you know, sleeping with her, and, you know, it's bad. It's bad deal. Her husband is his name is Uriah. He's one of David's mighty men. He's out fighting. He's out doing battle. And so David's trying to fix his issue because she contacts him back after a while and says, uh, "By the way, El Prego." 
right? Now updated that, you know, to Spanish. Um, <laughs> from the original Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but she says, you know, I'm pregnant with child, so he starts trying to cover his tracks. Starts trying to fix this. He brings Uriah back. He's trying to get them together quick. Right? So it can be not known. And this guy is so, so honorable, he won't even go to his, into his house to sleep in his own bed and be with his wife because he's, all his uh, you know, leaders and all his associates are out fighting. So he won't even go out there. He sleeps on the step and David, you know, he does all this. And finally David gives the word to the commander, said, put him at the front of the line in a rough area. And when the fighting gets heavy, pull back from him. So he dies. And David has the guy killed. This is David, a man after God's own heart. Now, that's not why he was after God's own heart. But he, he, uh, he royally messed this up. Okay, and Uriah's dead. He goes in, takes her, marries her. She becomes his wife. And, uh, you know, some time passes, obviously, because the child was born. So there's the nine months. You got some time. And it's probably a little over a year. And, and a guy named Nathan shows up. Nathan's a prophet. And look what Nathan says. But by the way, when you see things take time, David might have been thinking, you know, I dodged a bullet there. (laughs) Got away with that one. No one knows. Not the case. There's always someone who knows. And so the Lord sent Nathan to him. Let's read here 2 Samuel 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. So not just a few animals, a lot of animals. But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. Maybe some of you have had a real close pet. Uh, But they love this little lamb. Um, Verse 4, And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one uh, for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man and he said to Nathan as the Lord lives the man who has done this shall surely die and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity David's ticked off that someone would ever act this way how could someone do that imagine someone being so low so despicable that they would do this to this man Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. And now reality sets in. And now the plank comes down. And all of a sudden he sees clearly. But what David was saying, what he was doing, this is a a common approach, a common characteristic among, among individuals who have blown it. And by the way, that's all of us. A common characteristic is we get removed from something that we have done and we forget about it. 
And all of a sudden, we're harsh towards anyone else who does that or does similar things. And, man, I can't believe they would do that. They deserve punishment. That person deserves to die. They need, they're going to get what's coming to them, I'll tell you that. Well, do you want what's coming to you? I tell you, we didn't want what was coming to us. We were saying, help, mercy, Lord, forgive me, save me. And we want mercy towards our lives. But then often we'll be quick to judge others. And what did the Lord Jesus say? He said, judge not lest you be judged. For with the judgment you use, the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Now, thank God, if you read the whole story, David repented. And he got his heart right with God. And God was able to do great things in his future. And, uh, and that shows us how to respond. Let's look at the big picture. And we can all get bounced back. And the Lord can restore us from doing wrong things. But it's this kind of hypocritical judgment that opens the door for the devil to work havoc, to wreck havoc in our own lives. See... You and I will be tempted to speak against and judge others daily. This is not a rare occurrence. As someone think, well, this is not really a problem for me. Are you sure? I mean, I would seriously, I recommend as your pastor and I love you and everything, check up. Because I don't want the devil cleaning you out. And people think, I don't really have a problem with this. I would double check. Because I'll tell you, we are tempted daily to do this. It's a setup. You know, people will ask. They'll come to you and ask. So, what do you think about so-and-so? What do you think about what they did? Hey, did you hear about this? Did you hear about what so-and-so said? Did you hear about what they did? Did you hear what happened? And what are they doing? Inviting you to chime in. Inviting you to join in their judgment. And it happens all the day. You can't hardly go a matter of hours. If you think about it, if you watch very closely this week, the rest of the day, in the lobby, after the service, but watch through this week, if you could identify how many times you have an opportunity to cast judgment towards others. You will be invited again and again and again and again and again. Sometimes it's through media. Sometimes it's just through conversation. But for you to take a position of, you know, judge, jury, executioner, they deserve this. And we start casting judgment. I'm telling you, it's the devil's trap. He is coming to try to set you up because if you'll do that, he gains access to your life. So what do we say? I mean, when someone says, so, what do you think? What do you think about so-and-so? Well, you might want to give that some thought as to how you can answer, but, you know, here's a possibility. Nothing. I don't think anything about that. Well, certainly you have an opinion. No, I've decided not to. I've decided I enjoy health. I enjoy my bills being paid. I enjoy God's blessings flowing in my life unhindered. I enjoy the devil not having place in my life. So, no, I don't think anything about that. And I don't even think anything about you trying to get me to think something about that. (laughs) 
But again, there's a constant temptation. And I, I, I do want to challenge you, encourage you, watch for it. See if this is not more prominent than we would have ever have imagined. That we're always being given this opportunity. And the more I think about it, because I hear negative reports all the time. And I make switches in my mind thinking, okay, where am I going with this? What am I going to do to that person even in my mind? How am I going to, what is my position? Am I going to stand in judgment? Is it possible I could have some plank issues? And so by my getting into their business, there's no way this is going to work. Romans chapter 4 and verse, or excuse me, 14 and verse 4 reads this way. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. But who are you to judge someone else? You know, if we want to be the safest the most protected, the most blessed of all. You know, one of the key things we can do is be the most non-judgmental of all, of other people. To make this such a place. I mean, I'll tell you, the enemy wants to get in here. Wants to mess up not only individual lives, but the work of God. How can we keep the door closed? Make this a house of mercy. A house of mercy. Yes, people blow it. Yes, people do the wrong thing, but we're a house of mercy, not judgment. Yeah, who are you to judge another one's sermon? You know, we're not qualified to judge individuals for two primary reasons that I can see. Two primary reasons why I'm not qualified. We're not qualified. Number one has to do with uh, the plank, meaning this, we've also sinned. I'm not qualified to judge someone else because I have also blown it. And the way that temptation works, again, is I forget what I've done like David did. I forget and all of a sudden I'm against someone. But if I will will recognize I've been forgiven, I've been set free, I've been restored, I've been given victory, all of a sudden it shifts and I have a compassion towards that person that I wouldn't have if I don't recognize that. But we're not qualified because we have also sinned. There is one who hasn't sinned. He's qualified. All right? But it's not me. It's not you. Secondly, here's a real important thing, is I do not know what they know. If I see someone commit sin, do something wrong, I do not know what is in their heart. I don't know what's inside. I don't know what they know. I don't know what they don't know. And by the way, that does matter to the Lord. If you study Scripture, maybe we'll look at some more later. But if you study Scripture, you will find that a person's knowledge of what they're doing or their lack of knowledge of what they're doing really does make a difference in whether something is sinful or not. I, I, can, I can recognize in my own life, like for example, many years ago, I used to listen to things that were ungodly, certain, certain, certain music and so forth that was ungodly, the lyrics, the things that were being pumped out were very contrary to this, contrary to my relationship with God, but I just, if anyone ever asked me, I'm like, that's no big deal, what's the problem with that? And, I was fine with it, and, and I would listen to stuff. But it was interesting. 
there came a point in my life uh, I was growing rapidly with the Lord, drawing near to Him, learning His Word. And no one said anything to me, but at one point, all of a sudden I just knew. You know, I need to stop listening to that. That's not helping me. That's not honoring God. He, he's not pleased with it. And I knew it inside. But if you'd asked me a year before, I don't have any problem with that. But now, I did have a problem with it. I did. I knew on the inside. I thought, nah, I need to do that different. You know? And so it takes a little, you got to, it takes obedience to that. But so I remember one day, you know, having all these, you remember those old fashioned reel to reel, mini, mini, miniature reel to reel devices? They were plastic. I had a whole case full of those. For you younger people, that was before downloads. Uh, uh, <laughs> But I remember I had this case full of them, a lot of money invested in that, you know, and, and taking that and going to the dumpster and just getting rid of all of it. Why? Well, I came into greater light concerning my own life. Why? If I would have continued doing that, it would have been sin for me. It would have been a problem. But I, how many know if someone were to look at me from the outside during any of that time and say, oh, you shouldn't listen to that. You shouldn't have that. Their judgment would have been inaccurate. They would have been wrong. Maybe that was, their, maybe that was true for their own life, but they didn't know what light I had. They didn't know what I knew. Hmm? And so this is one of the reasons. Not only am I unqualified because I have also sinned, I'm unqualified because I don't know what someone else knows. And so I need to leave that to the Lord. In conclusion today, has the devil ever gotten to you? Has he ever gotten in? Has he ever gotten access to your life and caused some killing, stealing, destroying? Uh, This is something to consider. Ask yourself the question. I would encourage it. Have I been standing in judgment of others? Have I been judge, jury, executioner? Have I been that in my heart, in my expression? Have I been doing that to other people? And now you know. And if necessary, what's the right response to this? It's, Lord, forgive me. It's, Lord, I've been doing, man, what I certainly don't want. I don't want people doing that to me, and yet I've been doing that to people all day long. And if we'll recognize that, of course, the Lord is merciful. You turn to Him, man, you're set, you're taken care of. But then going forward, we start keeping a watch on this, keeping a watch on our mouth, keeping a watch on our heart. When we're making all these judgments about people all day long and crucifying them even in our own mind, recognizing, man, this is a setup. This is totally a trap of the enemy because he wants access to get us judged. Amen. I'm going to pray. Maybe some of you do that too. Maybe there's some business you could deal with. And you can wait till you get home, but you might forget. I don't know. Maybe if you recognize and you could identify areas in your own heart, you say, man, I've totally been doing that. Let's get the door closed. And close it up right now, right here, and keep the enemy out. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for working in us today. Holy Spirit, Lord, you're helping us to see, to recognize, to, to understand, 
how these things work. Jesus, thank you for your words. And we refuse, we resist, we refuse to be sucked into this this snare of sin whereby we are becoming the judge of others. Help us all to see it now. Help us all to see it in our own lives so we can we can repent, we can change, we can go a different way. And Lord, we ask you for mercy on us and on those around us for people in our lives for family members for kids who have fallen into the the, the snare of the devil have mercy on them we don't want them to get what they deserve we want them to get mercy show them kindness Lord mercy so that they'll be enabled to stand and be restored Father, for this we give you all the praise and all the glory, all the honor, all the thanks. In Jesus' wonderful name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hmm, ese balagina. Oh, thank you, Lord, for helping us today. Ese balalata vanomosea. There is, there is times coming and times happening where more things will be exposed. More people will be exposed in their wrong ways of, of, of living. Deceptions will be exposed. But keep your heart pure. Keep your heart apart from being in judgment towards those who have done wrong show mercy and kindness because that is what is of me says the Lord and you'll be granted grace to stay to stand in your place thank you Lord thank you Lord Lord we honor you and bless you today Help us to stay on your side and not be participants with the devil in his accusations. We thank you for enabling us to see and know and understand things in order to restore, to bless, and to help. For this we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys, the Lord wants to use us in these last days. And some of it is because we live in a world full of sin and wrongdoing. We just got to stay with his heart in the middle of it. And if it's you and if you've been messed up and, and, and you've blown it and made some really serious poor choices and whatever you want to call it, uh, I want you to know we're here to help you get back on your feet. Say, man, people, they know what I did and I don't care. I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus is greater than any sin you've ever committed. And there is forgiveness. And if you're here and say, man, no one will accept me. No one will deal with me anymore because of what I've done. Welcome home. Because you're accepted. And you're loved. You turn to the Lord. And he turns to you. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.